0: Yo, this is Pastor Tito, and welcome to another episode of the Revolutionary Podcast. Listen, I want to start off by saying we all, and I've used them too, we all have a ton of excuses on why not to do certain things. And people have excuses on why they can't grow or don't want to spend time or don't have time to be able to do what they need to do to know God and all these things. Well, my prayer is that I take away every single excuse that you can ever have. And that is the point of today's message we were talking about worshiping, guys. Worshiping is not only expressing our heart towards God, but also worshiping is reflecting on how God expressed His heart towards us. And one of the greatest ways that He, well, the ultimate way that He expressed His love for us is like what we were singing about. It was the cross. But another great way that He has expressed His love to us is right here. I'm holding it. Y'all know what this is, right? It's a Bible. This is a great and a mighty way in which He has expressed His love for us. But I know that there's challenges to you diving in and messing around with this at home. And, I mean, think about it. Every, every Sunday, all right, you got preachers all around the world. Me, I'm going to preach from the same book. I mean, like, you know, after thousands of years, you don't think, you know, like, you know, we couldn't advance, advance to another one. Does God not have a sequel, a part two? Why are we still revisiting the same book? Well, there's a reason why we're revisiting the same book. And then I tell you, go home and read the same book over and over and over again. And I know that there's challenges, guys. I've experienced and still experience these same challenges. And I, let's, let's see if we can get some uh, very brave uh, folks online, anyone else here, all right? Tell me, uh, tell me I'm wrong. Tell me if you agree then with me in this case that sometimes reading the Bible is difficult. It is hard because the book is hard, all right? It's hard to read it, yes or no, all right? I'm, I am one to raise my hand and say yes. There is a reason why it is hard, and it is. So if, if you have that excuse, that's, that's a valid one. It's not good enough, okay? But yes, reading the Bible, I don't do it, Pastor, because it's just too hard to read it. You with me? All right, I got another one. I don't read the Bible. It's hard for me to read the Bible, Pastor, because it's too boring. Can anybody? I'm going to raise my hand. I'm like, there's some sections. There's some sections, right? This week alone, me and our secretary, our I Monica, we had an interesting conversation about a very boring section where it's in the Old Testament and it's like, it's like on repeat. It was like, it sounds like a broken record for some, you know, and, 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 you know, it's like, what happened to this? This is, why does it have to be this way? I mean, we got through it, and there's a reason why, but you had to go past that, right? There are some parts that are boring, right? If you, if you read the, even the Bible, you start with Matthew, you're like, all right, that's an interesting story. Then you read Mark, I'm like, wait a minute, it sounds like the same thing. You read Luke and John, I was like, yo, why do they keep on killing this guy, right? If you read it like that, it's weird, right? It's like, they keep on killing the dude. What's going on? And so, I get it. It could be hard, it could be boring. This is the other one. This is no good, you, if you use this one, you better not anymore. Don't use this one in front of me. Oh, I just can't read the Bible because I'm just too busy. I'm too busy to read the Bible because it is hard and it's kind of boring and I'm just too busy. I don't got time for that. I'm too busy. Don't use that one in front of me because like somebody once told me, we are all, we are never too busy for the things that we really want to do. Never too busy for the things that we really want to do. So there has to be something else. Now, I'll give you a quote from A.W. Tozer. We're going to kick things off like this. He says this, the Word of God, the Bible, theologian A.W. Tozer back in the day said this, the Word of God well understood and religiously obeyed. I love the, the, the twofer there. You see that? Understood and applied. The Word of God well understood and religiously obeyed. It is the shortest route to spiritual perfection. Y'all hear that? Uh, I'll co-sign on that sign. It is the shortest route. You, there's no shortcuts to growing by just, you know, let me just, because it's busy, I'm hard, this is, this is hard, and this is, uh, uh, what's it called? It could be boring. Let me just find a few verses that I like. I'm just going to run with this. There's no shortcuts to this, guys. There's no shortcuts. He says this. Oh, and by the way, we must not select a few favorite passages to the exclusion of others. I know I'm, I know I messed with one of y'all just now. I know it. Nothing less than a whole Bible makes a whole Christian interesting statement. Nothing but a whole Bible makes a whole Christian. Now if that's true, we got a problem, don't we? Because the whole Bible is hard, and it can be boring and difficult. So then what do we do? Well guys, let me tell you this. I'll tell you why it's hard. The Bible is hard to understand, hard to apply, because you and I have hard hearts. That's why. The problem is not in here. The Bible is in here. The problem, I'm sorry, is not here. The problem is not the Bible. The problem is you. You have a hard heart. You don't want, you're hearing it, but you don't want to hear it. Or you hear it now and it's like, well, I just don't understand it. No, you just don't want to. That's the problem. And you don't want to live by it because to be able to understand it the way it's what, what he says and live by it, now that's asking a lot. So you can't ask and get cop out like that. And so the reason why, guys, it's, it's hard to read because we have hard hearts because God's word, when you read it, it will challenge your assumptions it will challenge your misconceptions, it will challenge you. And that's an interesting one because I've always heard, I don't know if you guys have ever heard the, the problem, Oh, you know, we can't trust the Bible because it was written by mankind, right? And it's just written by, a oh man, that's another one maybe somebody complained, right? And I was like, it's been written by man, people. We can't trust it, it's written, written by people. I can't, I don't know who to give this quote to, but I heard somebody say this, listen, if the Bible was man-made, then why does it go against so much of man's desires. That's an interesting one to think about. If the Bible is man-made, then why does it go against so much of man's desires? Because a man might have wrote it, but God spoke it. Something different. And so that's why, guys, today, how we respond and how we react to God's Word is important. So we're going to talk about today, what is the Bible, how do you read it, and why you should. All right? That's the practical application. And we're going to look at Paul's, the next stop on Paul's second missionary journey to be able to learn this lesson. All right? So we're going to read from Acts chapter 17, verses 10 and 15. We got six little verses. So let's run it. Let's go to, I got to go there. I'm not even there. All right. Acts 17. We're going to have it on the screen online. I'll read it to you if uh, it's okay. 17. Here we go. Let's read verses 10 through 15 as soon as it was, key time, night time. As soon as it was night, the brothers and the sisters, meaning the Christians in the previous town that we talked about, which was Thessalonica, this is where Paul was. The Christians in Thessalonica sent Paul and Silas away to a, near, a nearby town called Berea because of the threats that Paul and Silas were under. Upon arrival to the city, they went into the synagogue of, of the Jews. The people here were of an interesting description. Let's listen to this. More noble character than those from Thessalonica. It almost sounds like a slam, like he's throwing shade out there. But listen, since they, these people, why were they a more noble character? Because they received the word of God with eagerness and examined the scriptures how often? Daily, to see if this if these things that Paul and Silas were saying were true. That's what that's what that means. Verse 12, consequently, meaning as a result of these uh, actions and attitudes towards God's word. Consequently, many of these Jews believed in the gospel. They got saved. Revival broke out in this town, in this synagogue. And then, not only that, including a large number of prominent the, uh, Greek women as well as men. So these are influencers, politicians. I mean, listen, revival didn't just, didn't just break out inside of the church, it broke out in the government. That's, that's what happened on a Bible study. Look at that. Maybe we should try it. I don't know. We'll see. Um, He goes on and he says this, but, ah, here's a but. There's always something, right? When things are going right, there's a, oh, but. But when the Jews from the old town, the nearby town, Thessalonica, when they found out that the word of God had been proclaimed by Paul in Berea, they came there too, agitating and upsetting the crowds. Then the brothers and the sisters in, now the Christians in, in Berea, immediately sent Paul away to go to the coast but Silas and Timothy stayed on there in the town. Those who escorted Paul brought him as far as Athens, outside of Macedonia, which is where they were, outside of the Jewish the jurisdiction of, kind of like the police and the local authorities. So they brought him outside. Uh, after uh, receiving instruction Paul and Silas, for Silas and Timothy to come, as quickly as possible, they departed. And so from there, we're gonna talk about, next week we're gonna talk about what happens with Paul in Athens. So there we go, that's the situation. So. How does all of that help us answer the question that uh, we were looking at? So let's just look at that. There's three parts here. All right. Let's look at Paul and Silas. Let's look at those Bereans. And then let's look at those Christian Thessalonians. All right. Well, not not the Christian Thessalonians, the non-Christian Thessalonians. We're going to look at that. And so first one. We got Paul and Silas. What did they do? They showed up, explained the Word of God, and proclaimed the Gospel. Now do you guys remember what time did they had to leave? What time did they leave the one town to go to the other? What time of day? Nighttime. Now, the that's important. The reason why they went at night is because of the threats that they were under. All right. Have you ever had anybody, like a parent, or maybe you're a parent, you tell them, "Hey, it's getting late, right? Don't drive, right? Don't drive at night. You know, don't do that." Have you ever had to like stay over at somebody's house because it was too late to drive home, right? One of those kind of situations. Okay, that happens. That happens a lot. And so here's the thing why do we not want to travel at night because for whatever reason right we think it's, you know it's, it's dangerous right who knows what's going to happen well if it's dangerous now could you imagine back in the day all right so you didn't travel at night because it was dangerous back then you don't got cameras and traffic signs and cops on all over the like it was different you didn't travel at night unless you had no other choice and so i mean traveling during the day was dangerous traveling at night is even more and so that tells you the reason why they had to go at night was because of the threats that they were experiencing from the other town. It was that serious. They couldn't wait till the next day. And it also says a lot about their faith and their courage. Like saying, listen, all right, there's a lot going on, but you know what? I don't care. We're going to walk in the valley of the shadow of death. I know you're with me, right? And so they're going to go. And so this gives us an encouragement, guys, to keep pressing on. Listen, this breakout, this breakthrough that happened would not have happened if Paul and Silas would have made some excuses, and guys, for us, if we want to experience more of God in our life, listen, we got to have to go through some, you know, something. We just can't wait for opportune moments. Man, we just got to walk by faith, all right? And God, God shows up. And so they go to the second most important town in that region of Macedonia, which is Berea. It's the center of religious, their religious cult. So there's a lot of demonic worship. I mean, here, this is the center of their demonic worship in the nation. And the other thing that's an interesting detail, which is going to be important for us, Berea was out of the way, all right? We got highways today, right? I I live nearby a highway. It's um, Veterans Expressway. We got I-275, 75. We got all those highways, right? And why do we drive on highways? Why do we make them? Because it gets us to point A to point B faster, easier, safer, usually, unless it's I-4, right? Whatever. That's a disaster and a half, always here in Florida, all right? And so the thing is, all right? Highways, they had highways back then, guys. Big ones. They had highways that you were, it was easier to travel and you can go from point A to point B quicker. But here's the thing. Paul and Silas, when they would go on these missionary trips, they would go along the highway to key points. And they went to Thessalonica, the most important city in that town, in that region of Macedonia. The reason why they went there is because, man, listen, if the gospel can be in Macedonia, it's going to be in the nation because Thessalonica is an influencer. And they went to the second most important town, Berea. Again, the center of religious cult and demonic worship. But here's the thing Berea was out of the way, it was not along the highway. So not only were they traveling at night, which was dangerous, they went off-roading. Even more dangerous to go out of the way. Because if the gospel can be inside of the two most important and most influential towns and cities in the nation, you got the nation. You see what, you see what I'm saying? These guys were smart. They were strategic in where they were going. And so they go, they show up. And they, they do what they do, man. They just tell people about the love of God. They tell them about the truth. And the Holy Spirit did his job. He opened up their eyes to believe as they open up the Bible. And that, it was the Holy Spirit who did it not Paul. So now, now we're going to slow down a little bit on the Bereans because there was some interesting descriptions. And here, guys, this is one that I want for me. I would love this description to be said of me. I want it to be said of my kids, my wife, my family, you all of you, I want this to be said of us. And so what did the Bereans do? They searched the Word of God after hearing Paul, and they believed in the gospel. And how did they do it? There were three descriptions. Y'all caught it at the beginning? How did Luke say and describe the kind of character that these people had? It was a more noble character. Now, again, when we read that, that translation, it almost sounds like, yo, the people over here in Berea, yeah, they were nicer compared to those Thessalonians, bro. They were, oh my gosh, you know. And so he's not insulting the Thessalonians. He's saying there was something about the Bereans that was better. And the noble character, the word actually noble doesn't mean better or holier or anything like that. It just means that they were of more open-minded character. Y'all tracking? That's what the word means. He, they were more open-minded Com- meaning, the Thessalonians, yo, they were, some, they were some hard heads, man. They gave Paul uh, an earful. Every time Paul would say something, they always got something to say right back, and boom, boom, boom. And so, the thing is, these Thessalonians are hey, wait, you guys, you're saying something we've never heard of. We, you, you're saying something that we've heard is really controversial. So, I'll tell you what, Paul, make your case. We're going to listen. Ooh that listen that's a good description that's a good description for a lot of us if we applied in our lives to be very open-minded when we want to hear someone else you know James talks about this a classic verse a lot of people know this one James well a lot of Christians have heard this one where James encourages us to be quick to listen slow to speak and slow to react slow to anger means slow to be emotional right our tendency when you want to talk about something controversial is what we tend to react emotionally, speak, and not listen, right? How many of us have gotten into conversations like that and turned into arguments because that's what it is, right? The only time you're listening is when you're gonna jump into the conversation. Almost like if you're playing double dutch and you're waiting for the moment, to be like, all right, there it is. And so, and you jump into the conversation, you're not really listening, you're just waiting to rebuttal. You can't have a conversation like that with people. Guys, you know what Paul, uh, James actually says? That's how your approach is to God. When he says be quick to listen, who's he talking to? He's not saying be quick to listen to people. In the context means be quick to listen when God has to say something. Be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to emotionally react. The speaking is be slow to assume what he's saying and be slow to react emotionally what he's saying. Listen, listen. So that's what being open-minded is. Now, being open-minded is good, but it's dangerous. I love. theologian G.K. Chesterton. He has these two great quotes about it. The first one is this. He says, don't be so open-minded that your brain falls out. I like that, right? So there's an extreme to being open-minded, right? There's an extreme to it. You can be so open-minded that you don't even know what to think anymore, all right? So don't be so open-minded that your brain falls out. But here's the thing. What's the point of opening your mind? G.K. Chesterton says this. See, merely having an open mind is nothing the object of opening your mind as of opening your mouth is to shut it again on something solid. You see that? How can you eat food? You got to open up your mouth and be able to eat it. How are you going to be able to learn anything? You got to be able to eventually open up your mind and then clamp it on something solid. And the solid thing that we want to clamp on is the truth. So they were of noble character. That's a good description for us, guys. I mean, honestly, if you all walked out of here and we asked and prayed, God, help me to be more open-minded when I'm listening to my kids. I actually had to practice that last night. Where's Josiah? We had that conversation last night. And you and I, right, we had to talk. And I wanted to emotionally react. And I'm trying to listen. Inside, I'm <laughs> I'm trying to listen. I'm like, don't say anything, don't say anything. Just listen. And then, oh, okay. It's hard. I get it. But man, being... Quick to listen, open-minded. Let, before I say anything, let me make sure I understand what you're saying. You see that? That's how you read the Bible as well. Before you assume and jump, well, I think this is what this means, and I think this is what. Hold on. Wait, God. What are you really trying to say? Slow down. Be open-minded. The other one is this. He said that they received the word with eagerness and examined the scriptures. So when they examined it, they were. This was not a chore for them. This was like I. Right, this is a good thing. And eagerness means ready, willing. They were excited. They, this is a practice that they always had when it came to God's word. And they weren't going to play around. They were like, all right, hold on, Paul. You're saying something as Jews. You, you're saying something that, could, that is borderline for us, blasphemy. That there was a man who was, that God became man, and this man is the son of God, and he's the Messiah. If you're wrong, that's blasphemy. And in their case, that's, that's death penalty stuff. And so instead of assuming, they're like, all right, we're going to check for ourselves. And they went, but which, by the way, I'm going to challenge you guys. I love, for those of you, trust me, I see it as an honor. And I, I, it is a high privilege. And I do not take it lightly to know that those of you guys that log on online and you watch in person, you, you're hearing me, um, you, you're, you're making th- this kid, this is going to change your life one way or another. I know that. And so, but. I challenge you. So I I, I love that you guys do that, but do not, do not, do not, do not, all right? Just simply base your faith on somebody else telling you what the Bible is, you hear me? I I love that you should do that because I'm going to challenge you and I I think that's, you know, I I like, I like hearing more ouches than wow, I ain't going to lie, okay? I like hearing more ouches than wow. And so I'm going to challenge you, but then you got to be able to, don't take my word for it, go check on yourself. Go in it and look and confirm things. So I love that they did that. That what they had, if, if the Bereans had an open mind, they also had hungry hearts. They had a hungry heart to want to know God. They're like, all right, Paul, if you're saying what you're saying and it's wrong, bro, you're in problem. You're, you got an issue. But if what you're saying is right, that changes everything. We're going to find out for ourselves. I love that. I love that. And guys, if what I'm saying is wrong, you just wasted 45 minutes, all right? But if what I'm saying is right, it can change everything if you believe it. So that's an important thing for us. And so there's, when we think of hungry hearts, I think of two things, of how do you read the Bible. Number one, how do you read the Bible? With an open mind. But how do you read it with a hungry heart? You got to view yourselves as a treasure hunter when you read the Bible. That's, I love, that's my favorite one, all right? Psalms 119, 18, and we can put it on the screen. It says this, he says, this is a prayer that the author says to God, says, open my eyes so that I may contemplate your wondrous things from your instruction, from your law, from your word. Open my eyes, because I can't understand it alone. Open my eyes so I can see the wonders that's in your word. Guys, that should be your prayer. When you open up the word of God, your prayer should be, God, before I open this up, open my mind. Open my eyes as I open your word. How many times you've heard me pray that? Some of y'all have been here many. And I I, I pray that quietly, even right before we start. And so that's an important one, guys. You got to read the Bible as a treasure hunter. I'm like, all right, what is this? Because the word examined that the Bereans did, they didn't just look up a verse and read it. All right, what you think? No, we good? All right, cool. Confirm, confirm, confirm. All right, listen, the word examined is they investigated, inquired, they looked into, they, you know, stretched it out. They, They squeezed the juice out of it. That's what they did all right that's what they did and so to be an investigator that's the one you guys anybody like those crime shows every while you know some of those you like seeing how they break things down right csi this and that private investigations right those are really interesting those are really interesting and so um it's important guys and listen we're all good at being private investigators you know there's some memes out there that just kind of you know that they don't do it justice they kind of you know put it more on some than others like somebody says, hey, listen, marry a, a Latina wife because it's amazing. You marry a Latina wife, bro, you're going to get, you're gonna get um, a ride or die. You're going to get a chef. You're going to get a best friend. You're going to get a cook and a private investigator all rolled up in one. Okay? Now, they, look, I, you know, I love my Latina wife, but that's you know, true, baby. You know that. But anyways, but and that's for everybody. Like we all, we all do that. I do that. I do that, right? You know, we all like to scoop. Like, when you want to find dirt, I'm like, whoa, what's going on? Like bloodhounds, man. We're going to go keep on going until we find it, right? We keep digging. What's happening? What's going on? Go. We love to do that. And so, and then here, we treat this like fast food. You know, I'm going to pop it in the microwave, 60 seconds, see what I get, and move on. Man, no, this, this is how we got to, we got to hunt into this like treasure hunters, digging, getting our fingers dirty in this thing. But be careful. Because when you read the Bible, you should read it as a treasure hunter, but I want to warn you. The Bible is not just a book you read. The Bible is a book that reads you. It reads you as you read it. As you examine it, oh, it's gonna examine you. And if, if, this, if I can say you should approach it as a treasure hunter, I'm gonna tell you what the Bible is. The Bible is a heat-seeking missile. When you open it, you gotta watch out because it is a heat-seeking missile that is going to go to the target. And your response to that is it. I mean, look, I'm not going to tell you, look, let me, it's this, God's Word says it. Hebrews, check, check this out. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. The author is telling these Hebrews here, just like uh, these Jews, just like Paul was telling the Jews. Hebrews 4, verse 12. I'm going to read it for you online. It says this, for the Word of God is living, alive. It is smart. It is living because it is a living God that, that is, who's spoken it. It is a living, active, I'm sorry, effective, sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The Bible, God's Word, is a heat-seeking missile. It has a target for you. When you read it, it reads you. And it's looking and boom, it's going to get you. That's why some people just want to, you know, dodge it. It was like, whoa, 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 not going there today. Now going there today. And I know when I speak, I'm shooting heat-seeking missiles all over the place. I know that right now I can say something. It's to like, hey, you different, you different, you different, you different, you different. Why? Because it's not my words. It's God's words saying, you need to hear it this way. You need to hear it this way. You need to hear it this way. And it's going to hit target every time. Metal to steel every single time. And so that's what it is. So just warning y'all, when y'all read it, that's what it is. But you should read it as treasure hunters knowing that it's going to read you, too. And so be careful. All right, last one that they did. How did they read these things? They were of no noble character. And what did, how did they read it? They read it with eagerness. But notice the pronouns. What kind of pronouns am I using? I think I heard you say it, Jimmy. What kind of pronouns are they using? They. So did they do this by themselves? They did this as a team, together. This is a church they did this. They did this. And that's the, the other third one, guys, that we ought to apply ourselves. We're doing it right now. Uh, we're examining the scriptures together, right? I mean, I know it's not like a back and forth kind of a situation right now, but y'all, you know, you guys know how to find me. Y'all can, you know, message me and y'all can get me in that hallway. I'm like, listen, I got something to say to y'all. Oh don't know what was about that. That's cool, all right? But communal consistency. They read it daily. Daily. And they read it daily before Paul showed up. This was a habit that they had in their life. And so that's important, guys. Just like any time you get invited to a cookout, right? We had that picnic yesterday. I'm sure you've been invited to cookouts and different things. And uh, you've ever been invited to a BYOB, right? A BYO whatever. Not BYOB, BYO whatever. But you feel me? All right, listen, listen. Hey, every time the church should get together, it's always a BYOB. Every, you know, bring your Bible. Like, uh, that's what it is. It should always be. Uh-huh. Gotcha. All right, I got gotcha. you. Every time the church gets together, it should be a BYOB, all right? That's what it is. Bring your stuff. Everybody. In fact, look, I'm not the one who's making it up. Listen, I'm I'm, I'm just spitting Scripture to you guys. Look at Paul tells the Corinthian church. 1 Corinthians 14 26. He says this, but then, brothers and sisters, but then, brothers and sisters, question, uh, when you come together, how many? Each one has a hymn, a teaching, a revelation, another tongue, an interpretation. Everything is to be done for the what? Building up And so, guys, I want you to know that as a church, listen, I'm bringing something to the table right now. I'm bringing something to the table. But at the same time, we all have something to bring to the table as the church overall. And when we get together, you know, trust me, you know how many times I've been encouraged and I've been challenged and I've been learned when my kids bring an angle that I've never seen, when you guys bring an angle that I never would have thought of or an experience or this or that. I am massively encouraged. And so we all, all of us, can contribute, should contribute, even if you're a rookie, even if you're a noob, all right, this is new to you, all right, you can totally bring, everybody should bring something to the table, so that's important, and, and we all have to understand, and we all look at it with the same love and intention, because as members of the family of God, this is not just my, God's letters to me, this is God's letter to us, and I love Augustine of Hippo here in Florida, we have Saint Augustine, right, I don't know if y'all know, that's, that's, St. Augustine, that dude's real. I mean, most influ- probably one of the most influential guys that the reason why so many people, we interpret the Bible the way they do is because of what he started, all right? Augustine, should changed the game, not just for the church, but for the world when it comes to interpreting things. And so St. Augustine, he said this, the holy scriptures are our letters from home. I love that. I love that. The holy scriptures are our letters from home. Now, I've never served in the military and and been out like that, Um, but could you imagine? You see those stories, right, when when that person gets a a handwritten letter and they get to read it. That just hits different, right? We used to do retreats a a long time ago and uh, even youth ones, and the, the highlight of the retreat was always the letters from home, the best and we had these encounters with, uh, you know, with each other, right, where we're spending, we're spending a weekend with God, we're spending a weekend with one another, and then, because there's people that we left behind, friends and family, maybe spouses, right, and kids, and so, tell me, what, we've been to some of the youth, we did some things for you guys, we all finish by reading these letters from home, and it just, oh, uh, just wrecks you, I mean, first off, it's super cool, I mean, when was the last time you got a letter, you know, a handwritten one at that, and so there's just something about letters compared to a text or a notification or an email, right? It's so personal because that person had to touch it, hold it, write it, send it. And so those always hit. And me and my wife, remember when we were dating, we didn't have phones to text each other in class and stuff like that. So we would write notes, and, and we weren't even in the same school. So then every time we would see each other at church, I'm handing her four, she's handing me five. I'm like when well, she get more, I gotta now up it because you know she's writing more than me. So I was always a weird one. And so I, I was always I had to like outdo her, making sure we, I'd rather win, you know, than just man, I don't want to look bad. But tell me, how many times we would go back and forth and we spend that week reading letters, rereading, rereading, rereading the same letter over and over and over and over and over again. Why? Because it's from a person that we love. You see that? It's because a person that we love. And so guys, these this is our our letters from home. Our letters from home. This is, this is another reason why we should, this is what and how and why we should read these things. Because it points us back to our Heavenly Father. But just to wrap this section up before we kind of turn around and look at the application here. So we're seeing a couple of things, right? It's, I love the word consequently. Y'all caught that? Consequently. Meaning this church, these groups of people, They examine the scriptures with an open mind, with open hearts. I mean, they're diving in, they're devouring, and consequently, what was the result, guys, of this Bible study? Revival. Revival broke out. Revival broke out in this town because they had such a high regard for God, because they looked in God's word and they were humble to say, Lord, you show me. I don't want to assume this. I mean, guys, I know that's weird for me to say. And even now, maybe it's, it's becoming very controversial, I guess, to believe in the true claims of the Bible. But you've got to understand how controversial it was for Jews to believe in what this is. It was huge for them. And for them to have paused, to look, and let's just make sure. Oh, my gosh. You know why they had that? Because they really loved God. And they said, Lord, you better tell me this, because I don't want to be on the wrong side of you. If you say this is what you did and you show us, we will follow you and serve you and believe with all of our hearts. And so they did. And so that is such a beautiful thing. But you saw the but though, right? Here comes revival. God breaks out and but, right? That's always what happens. I don't know how many times, please, please I'm not the only one that you, let's say you have such a great time with God, such a great moment with God. And then something happens, right? And then it's some, you know, there's a fight that breaks out in the house or some of the kids or or a flat tire or your boss or, uh, you know, something, man. It just kind of wrecks your day. It kind of wrecks your focus, right? Am I the only one? Thank you. Okay, all right, good. I'll make sure. But so here we got made the Thessalonians, those guys that caused a riot in the other town because they didn't like what was going on. They caused a riot and drove these guys out. They could not leave well enough alone. And then when they found out, wait a minute, Paul, Paul and Silas are doing the same thing over another town. Remember, guys, this was not along the highway. They had to go out of their way, take off time from work and this and that to travel. They went out of their way to cause more problems. Golly. And let me tell you, that is exactly what our enemy does, and the enemy is a real one. There is a devil. There's demons. Hell is real. And guys, that is exactly what happens. Listen, we've we've seen movies and we've heard of stories. Let me tell you, if 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 you have a slave master that has a runaway slave, that slave master's not gonna be ah shucks. I lost another one. What's that slave master do that we've heard of stories and history? What does a slave master do? Hunts him down. You're mine. I'm going to come get you. You're mine. Listen, that's the enemy right there. The enemy don't like it when God sets us free. He sets us free from the grip of sin and hell itself. Listen, he ain't happy with a bunch of runaway slaves running around trying to liberate other people. No, they're going to come at you. If they can't stop you from believing in Christ, they're going to try to stop you from following him, believing him, and helping you, you know, and using, you know, God using you to help liberate somebody else. And they're going to bring every kind of distraction. Agitation. That was the word that they used. They agitated the crowd, tried to make it difficult. They're going to find every which way to get you, to trigger you, to get you off balance, off focus, and off of Christ. That is a normal thing. But how did the church respond to this agitation? They responded by getting Paul out of there, number one. But you know what? They also resisted. They maintained and stayed true to the faith despite the agitation, despite, they were like, again, like a bulldog on a bone. I was like, I ain't letting go. I ain't letting go. If you, I don't care, you're going to pull me off. I'm not letting go. That is how we should be. That is, if, if they're going to go out of their way to agitate us, man, that just means, yo, we got to hold on. But what's beautiful, guys, about our faith in God is that, yeah, listen, you got to, you, 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 we need to, let me say it this way, you need to hold on to Christ, but you're not the only one that's holding on. He's holding on to you, and he has a better grip than you do all right you hear me god has a better grip than you do it's not on you because you're not strong enough and able enough but the reason why the devil can do all he wants bark all he wants tug all he wants but when you know christ is holding you in his hand and you don't slip through his fingers there's this level of confidence and hope that comes in that and so that's what matters guys listen in the same way that the bad guys, right, these enemies, they went out of their way to bring agitation. Let me tell you, and Paul and Silas had to go out of their way to go to this town. I I'm just going to be real. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You need to go out of your way to spend time with God. You need to go out of your way to spend time with God. You need to go out of your way. Look, I, I applaud you guys on a Sunday and online. I get it. You, you've, you've gone out of your way to be able to be here and to log on and to focus. For those of you hanging in there, all right. You've gone out of your way. That's good. But that is our attitude that we should have daily, constantly. We need to go out of our way because there's always going to be something that's going to get in our way. A trigger, an emotion, a this, you. You have to get out of your own way. You need to get out of your own way to be able to encounter God. And there's no excuses, guys. There's no excuses. We need to go out of our way to spend time with God. And so let's, I told you today was going to be a what is the Bible how do we read it and why and so i'm going to just give you some final little kind of breakdowns on those and so so what is the bible this is god's words and then there's a story about it that that we, we we can talk about this another day or y'all can we can talk about it later but there's a reason why these books are in here and the other books that have been excluded there's a reason why this is not just because not some crazy conspiracy there's a legit reason why that was uh, that has been confirmed over literally now 1700 years over 1700 years since we've had the bible in the way that it is in this form the church didn't have this they only had the old testament if that and maybe scraps of letters or whole letters if that and they only had that for the first 300 something years and so but you know what whatever god's word was they had it and guys you have something that is unique in human history especially here let's say in america you got a massive privilege you have access to this, easy. It is easy. No excuse. All right, there's gonna be a lot of us is gonna walk. I'm like, oh, I didn't read the Bible, and they're gonna be up there, all these people from other tribes and other time periods, and they're gonna look at us like, what? You telling me you had it and you didn't? All right? That's that's what it's gonna be. But anyways, so but with that, guys, we need to understand what it is. It's God. But I love this last image. And this is from another, uh, another great guy. This person, I lost the name there. Oh, Martin Luther. All right. He's the one who started the, the one of the key great, the, the reformations uh, in church history, changed the world. All right. He said this, the Bible is the cradle where Christ is laid. Guys, you ever seen a uh, Chris, Christmas cradles, right? You know, when they, the mangers, You're, you don't they like it in a v and then you know, they put the baby in there i mean there was a feeding trough and so it's kind of a v shape there Well, he says god's word is the cradle in which christ is laid see the thing about the word of god guys what you need to understand is that it, salvation does not come from knowing the book salvation comes from knowing the author of the book all right and that jesus himself said that jesus told the the pharisees who these guys they knew the old testament memorized They had the whole testament memorized. They knew it better than anyone else. And he says, see, here's your problem. Your problem is that you think salvation is found in there. No, see, it is a sign that points to me. This is a sign that points to me. That's why we call it a testament. It testifies to who God is. It's God's word, but it testifies and points us to God. What matters is not so much knowing the book. What matters is is using the book to know God. The Bible is the cradle in which Christ is laid. So when you open it up, you're not looking for books. You're not, you're not, I'm sorry, you're not just opening a book. You're not just looking and reading just dead black and red letters on white pages. You are opening up to say, God, help me see Jesus. Where's Christ? Where are you? You open it up to see him. That's what it is. That's what it is. And then how should you read it? Well, guys, let's learn from the Bereans. How should you read it? You should read it. Humbly, with an open hearts, open minds. Humbly, intentionally, asking questions, examining. Humbly, intentionally, and communally. That is how you should read the Bible. How you should read it. Now, the desire to do it, it the big why really comes from God. See, the desire to want to know God comes from when He has opened up your heart and your mind and He has shown you His love for you, and He's forgiven you because you've asked Him, you've confessed and say, Lord, I believe in who you are and forgive me of my sins. I am in the wrong. I need to be saved. Guys, and think of that word saved. Why do we say that, hey, I'm saved? Saved from what? Guys, it is saved from hell, not saved from a a more boring life, you know. No, you are saved from tragedy, saying from eternal, eternal separation and you can't save yourself. You were rescued by God. So when you ha- that is your desire to want to get into this. It's not like, well, let me, I guess let me just read the Bible to feel better about myself. Don't do that. That's not gonna work, okay? You know, like, uh, unless you're gonna have to literally, you know, read it blindly, picking and choosing. But listen, humbly, intentionally, communally read it, but be careful. Be careful, be careful, be careful. Because a true believer never looks at reading the Bible as a chore. Some people view it as a chore you have to be careful with that I was like oh well, I gotta read it because the pastor said so now I feel weird and I was like I haven't been reading in a while now I came here to feel now I'm just feeling all kind of guilty for for not reading I don't know when the last time I read my bible if you're feeling like that good okay all right anyways um so but you got to read it like that but don't read it as a chore this is not something that you like, I have to read the bible as a hobby treat it as a hobby you guys have hobbies we all have a hobby all right, what do you got? I'm Fishing, right? You got one, maybe the gym is another. Ooh. Some of you guys love to read books as a hobby. What else, go out, you know, you do stuff. Listen, TV is a hobby too. Okay, video games, that's hobbies. All right? go walking. We all got a hobby. We all do things that we do. Here's the thing. A hobby, when you want to start a hobby, guys, are you usually great at the beginning when you start a hobby? No, there's a learning curve, right? There's some practice. There's, okay, well, I'm not good at this. This is hard, this is difficult. Music is a hobby for me that's really hard. And so it takes time. But it's a labor of love, though, right? Some of you have hobbies that you do that, maybe it's a sport or something. You weren't good at the beginning. But then the more you do it, the better you get. Why? Because you're putting time in it. You're learning. You're spending money. You're, 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 right? This is what you do. For your hobbies, you spend money to do this. You invest in it with your time, with your treasure. Because you do it because it makes you happy. It makes you feel good. It's good for you. Guys, it's all good things. What if you treated the Bible in that same way? Treat the Bible as a hobby. You're going to read it. It's going to take you some time because it's hard. But there's certain things. If you read it intentionally, humbly, communally, you'll get started. And you'll be able to learn and grow. Like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And yeah, it may take a little bit of time. But it makes the difference. Read it as a hobby, not as a chore. Oh, and and look at that as a team sport too, right? Some hobbies are team sports. You do it with others. And that's the coolest thing when you do hobbies with other people that you love. Well, guys, again, this is a team sport here, right? I'm not just the one. I'm not on the field, and you guys are my cheerleaders. That's not the case. That's not how it works. I'm honestly your cheerleader. That's honestly what I've been doing here. It's funny because I married one, so I know how to be a good cheerleader, all right? I married one. And so, listen, I stand here every day not wanting you to cheer me on. I stand here every day to cheer you on. That is my, to cheer you on, to keep pursuing, keep running, keep lingering, keep knowing, keep going. I'm cheering you on because I know this is what you need. It's Him. It's a team sport. This is what we do. And then to give you one last why, let me use God's word to show you why you should read God's word. It's this, guys. Why should you read this? Because it is especially for Christians. This is, what, this is for you now. Why should you read it daily? Because we are sanctified and strengthened by the Word of God. It is the only thing that sanctifies us, strengthens us. Sanctifies means that we become like God. Reading the Bible is not something that you do, but it does something to you. That's sanctification. When we understand it and apply it, that's what Tozer was talking about at the beginning. That's the shortcut. There's no other way around it. It is knowing it and applying it, living it. That's it. And so we are sanctified. You know who said that? Jesus. So you can take it up with him, all right? Jesus said, God, I pray. I pray that you may sanctify them in the truth, and your word is truth. There you go. Mic drop there, all right? Your word is truth. So when we do this, it does something to us. It does something to us. Some of you guys know, even coming here weekly, it changes you. Why? Oh, it's not me. That's the spirit of the living God sanctifying you, forming you, shaping you to think more, to act more, to live more, to reflect more like Christ. We'll never do it perfectly, but it's just a little bit, a little bit, one percent better today than yesterday, right? It sanctifies us, but it also strengthens us, and it is necessary. And if, if, if honestly this why that I'm gonna tell you right now is not enough, I'm just gonna pray for you. Okay, I got nothing else for you. I got nothing else. And it's Ephesians chapter 6. Some of you, you might know where I'm going with this, but I don't know if you, you know, I'm, I'm gonna surprise you, I think. Ephesians chapter 6. Paul is talking to the Ephesian church. He likes saying, listen, he talks about all that God has done, who he is, and then at the end he wants to round out with this illustration of why you should read God's Word. And he, this is the big um, section in my Bible, is titled Christian warfare. And I said this last week, guys, there is a war that is going on spiritually all around you. And this war is not fought with guns and nuclear weapons and tanks. It's fought with synonyms, antonyms, verbs, nouns, all right alliteration that's how it's fought it's fought with words this warfare is fought with it's fought with words words are our weapon of choice and so paul says right here in ephesians chapter 6 let's read the whole thing together we're going to read 10 through 18 so finally and i'm kind of wrapping up to finally be what's the word strengthened by the lord and by his vast strength so how can you be strengthened by the lord keep going put on the full armor of god that's what gives you the strength it's the full armor of god so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil guys what is the scheme and tactics of the devil lies counter truths truth isms that he's gonna he's fighting you with words and so if you got to know the real thing you got you can't understand what's fake if you don't know what's real so you are strengthened by the full armor of god so you can fight against the schemes of the devil For our struggle, this is what I was saying earlier, our fight is not against flesh and blood and people, but against the rulers and against authorities spiritually, against the cosmic powers of darkness, against evil, spiritual forces. This is a spiritual warfare going on. And so he continues on and says, for this reason, because of the spiritual warfare that is fought with words and truth and lies, for this reason, take up the full armor of God. There he repeats it again. So that you may be able to resist the evil day having been prepared for everything, to take your stand. So do you see this? How do you stand? It's not how do you stand. What do you stand on? You stand on the truth to resist the what? The lies of the enemy. And he's going to flesh it out now. So check this out. He says, take your stand. Verse 14, it repeats. So stand, therefore, with what? With truth. And now I love this little, this little, this is some grammar thing here. What is he use the word? like. Everything after that word truth is like saying, this is what the truth looks like. This is what the truth looks like. Everything after that is just different examples. You're getting a multi-dimensional angle of what the truth of God looks like. And what does the truth of God look like? He says it here. It looks like belt around your waist. It, it looks like righteousness, like an armor. It's righteousness. So truth is righteousness. The truth which is righteousness, is like, a ch- it's, uh, it's like armor for your chest. And it's like feet for your sandals. Readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, you take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish the what? The flaming arrows, right? That's the tactics. The, 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 the resistance that we're doing. The flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the what? The word of God. And what do we say? What is the Word of God? It is the truth. The truth is the Word, and the Word is the truth. Take up the truth, the Word of God. Pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and request. Stay alert with all perseverance, intercession for the saints. All right, here we go. We're rounding home. This is what, even in this right here, we see a what and a why. We should read the Bible humbly, intentionally, and communally. We can throw a fourth one consistently. Because the Word of God is your armor. Everything that Paul described, by the way, was a a typical Roman foot soldiers getup, And so they understood this. And so the truth is nothing but body armor and your weapons. The truth is for offense and the truth is for defense. That's what it is. Everything you described here, guys, is an armor of light. It's an armor of light. It's an armor of truth. Your weapons are light. You know, how do we fight darkness? With light. How do you fight lies? With truth so this is what it is. This is an armor of light, weaponry of light. That's what the truth of God is, and do you see all that it does? See, for the, the, I've heard this, and this is, I guess it sounds weird. I mean, there's a better example for this. All right, well, it's like a belt, and what's belts for? Keeping your pants up. No. Oh my gosh. I, I think I've said that too. I'm embarrassed. If you've ever heard someone say that, just roll your eyes, okay? But I got a better one for you. The belt is not a, the, the truth of God is not a belt to keep your pants up. The belt is actually where you connected your sword to and the Roman's breastplate was connected to your belt. So if you didn't have a belt, your breastplate is flapping in the wind, meaning your liver and kidneys are all exposed to close combat. So the truth anchors you. The truth anchors your righteousness. And so what does the truth do? It is what secures you, right? It's at the, the belt is at the center of who you are. That's why he starts at the truth at the center that's where it is. It's not so your pants don't fall off in the middle of battle, all right? That's not what it is. It's that, and it holds on. Guys, the truth of God is the righteousness. The truth makes you righteous, and it protects your heart, your liver, your internal organs. Guys, to understand that right now in Christ Jesus, that you are righteous. God looks at you like if you've never sinned, if God has forgiven you of your sins, that protects your heart. And it's the righteousness of God that purifies us. It's the righteousness. So when we don't, if we're a Christian and we're not holding on to the truth, bro, your your righteousness is flappy doing. That's why you always feel all guilty. Oh my God, I'm I'm horrible. I'm saying i oh, shame. i oh, regret. Okay, because it, you're not anchored in the truth, and so you're exposed. Your emotions, your heart, your feelings are exposed to every <laughs> of the enemy. But when you get the truth in it now your emotions are anchored a little bit more your heart is anchored but the whole thing is guys what is the helmet for helmet of salvation how are you saved by believing in the truth of god it is the truth of god that saves you sanctifies you it is the truth of god like a helmet that now protects your thinking that every time the enemy says this this and you know no i have the mind of christ i have the mind of christ and listen you can take some dents on that helmet but it's not going to penetrate, right? But some of us, we don't know a truth. And so we're constantly just, every two seconds. And then our thinking is all over the place because we're not anchored on the truth. So we, we don't even know how to think. We don't know how to feel. We don't know how to think. But that's what it all does. The, the, what was it? The truth is like shoes, sandals. Guys, the Romans had the top of the line cleats of the day. And the Romans soldiers could travel further, faster than any other army because they had these shoes with deep cleats and they can get entrenched in. Even in the craziest of mud and circumstances, they can traverse and go far. Guys, the truth of God is what helps you to walk. Oh, I'm, I'm backsliding. Why? Because you took your shoes off, bro. You you're out here slipping and sliding on your socks, you know? You don't got cleats that anchor you when the wind and the waves and all this stuff, you don't got the cleats that helps you to dig in. You see, that's what the truth does. It's shoes to help you to walk according to the light. And what is faith? Guys, what do you put your faith in? What do you put your faith in? The truth. Our faith is not in, in ourselves. You try to put your faith in yourself, you expose. you trying to hide behind a light post. I'm like, oh, he ain't gonna get me. Bing! Oh no, what happened? You know? No, the Roman soldiers had a shield that looked like doors. Huge doors. And they would boom, and hide behind it fully. That's what they would do. And so when you put Your faith in the Word of God, every, you're standing behind the truth of God because your faith is in your truth, not in yourself. If you're hit, it's because your faith is in you. You think, I got this. Oh, no. So, right? That's what happens. That's what happens. But when you stand in the, no, then they can't get through. And the last one was the sword. It's the sword of the Spirit, which is the, they're back again. That's all defense, by the way. So what's your offense? The sword. It's the truth of God is how you rebuttal. It's the truth of God that how you respond. Oh, and swords are used for close combat. Yikes. Roman soldier swords weren't huge. They were small. This was all for close combat. And spiritually, we do a lot of hand-to-hand combat. And it's up front in your face. But when you got that shield, you're standing behind the shield, and then you just... (laughs) You know, you're, you're hiding on the shield and you get the, that's it. That's how you do it. That's how we stand and fight. It's in the truth, according to the truth, by the truth. It is all of it. And the, that's what it is, guys. and That's why we need to be cautious with it. Because, see, the devil, he did this with Jesus. He does this. He did this with Adam and Eve. And every single person, he does it with us. See, he brings something that looks like truth. I, last week, I gave you an analogy of something that looks like truth. I'm going to give you another one. Okay, can you tell the difference between salt and sugar just by looking at it? Can you tell the difference between salt and sugar? Until you taste it, right? Tell the difference. See, here's the thing. The devil will take a lie, but he'll sprinkle it with sugar. He'll sprinkle that lie with sugar. Looks like the truth. Doesn't taste like it. But sugar tastes good, though. Last week, I not that's going to kill you. But the devil likes sugar, too. He's going to sprinkle sugar. Every, every, lie the, every lie of the enemy is always sugar-coated. Every lie of the enemy is sugar-coated why because a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down from Mary Poppins fans a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down well a little sprinkle of sugar helps the lie to go down pretty good a sprinkle of sugar tastes good makes me feel good i got some energy right so sugar does but we all know the dangers of having a high sugar diet don't we high sugar a lot of sugar intake that's not a good thing if all if everything you eat is just sugar 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 you become hmm. You become, there's something called insulin, uh, insulin uh, tolerance, and resistance. Insulin resistance. When your body is all out of whack, and when you're insulin resistant, it's hard to get healthy, it's hard to lose weight, it's hard to do that, because why? You ate too much sugar. Guys, and I actually had, this is part of the conversation, I had with my kids yesterday, and it was a weird one. And I'm talking to them, and I was like oh, why did 90% of everything we've got to do have to be about Jesus and God, the Bible? How come we do some more stuff? Ugh, I can't, it's, I can't explain it, but I get it. But the thing is, it's like, I know. Other things taste good, feels good, you know? And I, my, I, my prayer is that God helps them to understand. But the thing is, guys, it's just like sugar. If all you, everything you eat is sugar, you're going to be intolerant of sugar? Well, here's the thing. You can be intolerant of the truth. You can develop, you know, truth resistance because all oh, you're hooked on sugar. Sugar is addicting, isn't it? Sugar is addicting. It gets you. And then now you got all these other things, diabetes, this, that, all this other nonsense because of high sugar. But if the, if the lie of the enemy is sugar-coated, then what is the truth of God? It's, it's got a little sprinkle salt. Salt's different. Salt enhances, right? Sugar does too. They both enhance flavors, but sugar and salt do different things, okay? See, salt is always known as a preserving agent. It, it keeps from decay. Sugar promotes decay. Salt prevents decay. There's a difference. There's a difference there. The salt of God, and you can't have a, you know, I know you can have a high sodium diet, but you can't have a high sodium diet of the truth. All right, so there you go, just in case one of y'all wanted to throw that at me, okay? All right, it's a little different. This salt is different. This salt is different, and I pray, this is my prayer for me, my prayer for my kids, my family, and you, is that we all may be so determined to stand on who christ is and say give me the salty truth of god over the lies the sugar-coated lies of the devil any day that is my prayer for me and i want that for you give me the salty truth of god over the sugar-coated lies of the devil any single day because it is the truth of god that fills us and fulfills us guys that's what it is and why we should go after it and i'll give you one last warning to wrap up And I I put this on you earlier, okay? We don't place our faith in the book. Our faith is in the author of the book. Now, because we believe in the author, we cherish the book. You see what I'm saying? But there's a lot of people... Who put their trust in this book and on their ability to understand this book? And then when somebody else comes and refutes this and say, "Hey, there's an inconsistency there," or "Hey, there's something weird there," or "How can this affirm that?" And then now it's bubbles, pop, 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 pop. And we'll like, "Well, I can't believe that." And if I can't believe that, what else can I believe? I don't think I can believe any of it. Then, see, we don't put our faith in the book. We put our faith in the author of the book. And in fact, guys, the reason why this was written. the reason why the New Testament was written is because somebody was risen and Jesus Christ rose from the dead. That is the foundation of our faith. Paul himself said it. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, guys, I wouldn't be here. If he didn't rise from the dead, we have nothing. But because he did, it changes everything. And guys, that is our faith. Our faith is in Christ. It is in the resurrection. It is his resurrection that confirms the Old Testament, which is why we read it. It is because he rose from the dead that the New Testament was written and this message ought to be cherished and looked into. It's because he died on the cross and rose from the dead. That is the foundation of our faith. It is not just so much on what was said, but who said it. And who said it? A living God who loves us. So that is why. Can you see why I should tell you? You should be wanting and willing and desiring to go out of your way to get to know the one who made a way for our sins to be forgiven who made a way for us to be restored back to god who made a way for us to have eternal life that nothing and no one that the devil himself can rob from us we go out of our way to know the one who made a way and that's jesus that's what we should do guys listen there is no other book Like the Bible. This is why it still remains undefeated, number one bestseller every single generation. There is no other book like this Bible because there is no other God like the God of this Bible. And there is no better way to live than to know Christ and make him known. After preaching this message, I had a friend of mine named John Melendez come up to me and say, Listen, there is a military term that describes what you were just talking about. And I was kind of using that analogy of saying, the reason why we need to keep digging into the truth is because we gotta make sure we're tightening the straps. We gotta tighten the straps. And there was one thing that he said, was like, you, it reminded me of this military term called being squared away. Being squared away means in military terms in that you have been trained and given everything necessary to do your job and to get going. And uh, I love that. And honestly, that is, again, like I said earlier, that is my prayer. My prayer is that God may use me to be able to equip you to do the work of ministry, like Paul would tell uh, Timothy and the Ephesians, this is what pastors are supposed to do. I wanna make sure that you are so squared away with knowing what and who and how and why and all the little tools and all the little things so that you can go and pursue Christ, so that he can make a transformation in your life the more you know him, so that you can go and make him known. No excuses.